Hey, this is Stan White, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 679. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. It's the AU Wishbone. Here we are, brought to you by White Rocket Entertainment and by people like you, the Auburn family, the AU Wishbone family, still together in solidarity, despite everything else, our Patreon.com family, and we know you, we love you, we appreciate you hanging in there with us. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. John, the show did not get canceled after last week. (laughs) <laughs> we we got some notes from the network, so to speak. Uh, it's been an interesting week having reaction to our very... That's probably our longest show we've ever done. I mean, there have been barbecue shows with shtick that didn't run that long. We had a lot to say last okay. week. Most of the feedback was, gosh, can't you make it shorter? <laughs> Can you just suffer less? <laughs> Can you just not drag us through it for that long? Right, well... We're not. This show, I promise, will not be two hours and 25 minutes, hopefully. It'll be a nice, normal-sized show. And so um, we've got several more things to talk about. It feels like the basketball team is like, quit. What happened to the basketball team? Don't we have It's games? exam week. Ah, stupid school getting in the way of our sports. Come on, man. <laughs> what are they thinking? Scheduling exams during Come basketball. On, man. <laughs> I tell you what, that's ridiculous. But all right, well, yeah, I guess they got to go to school, I guess. Um, but in the meantime, uh, let's see. Do you want to go ahead and get into things? You had some stuff you wanted to say in relation to last week? Yeah, I just want to say a couple things off the top about last week's episode, and then Van will respond, and then we will move on. Um, so the first thing I want to say is I. You know, I wanted to apologize to listeners for last week's episode for not not for the things I said or the way I said them or whatever. I was upset, and uh, that's how I felt. But also, I did not do a good job as the co-host of this podcast because, the you know, Hugh Freeze had been hired as our coach, and I think people tuned in to hear us talk about, you know, what do we think about Hugh Freeze and what do we think he's going to do as head coach. And really, I just presented my views about how I – felt about Hugh Freeze as the the hire. We didn't do a bunch of the other analysis part that we probably should have done. Um, So, but I do need people to understand that I feel how I feel. And a lot of Auburn fans feel that way, the way I felt last Monday. And we did get a lot of feedback about the podcast, but I got a lot of feedback from people saying, thank you for saying what I felt last week. So that's the other part of it. So I, but I also got a lot of, emails and and comments from people who said hey i you know i hear you and we really enjoy the podcast but i have some you know i have some feedback about the way i presented things last week and i really really appreciate that and that's what i really wanted to start the show saying is that i appreciate the listeners who took time to to email me and and have a conversation about their thoughts and how they feel about things and presented that way and that meant a lot to me in band so 
think that's important. Um, so the, I'm going to say one or two things about the hire, and then we're, I'm not going to talk about it again, the decision to hire him. Um, I think the one thing that I really didn't make clear last week that I wished I had done a better job saying is I think that Auburn could have hired a coach of equal ability with less baggage. And that was kind of the point I was trying to make that I failed to make because I was busy ranting a lot, I think. The other thing I wanted to say is that Carnell Williams was a candidate. He wanted the job. He interviewed for the job. He did not get hired for the job. So I want all the listeners to take five seconds and just think about what the last week would have been like if Carnell Williams had been hired as the head coach because it would not have been the same. So the last thing I want to say about this in the opening is that this is not going to be an ongoing thing in this podcast, me you know, ripping Hugh Freeze and, uh, for his past behavior and that kind of stuff. I'm not going to you know, run around and do cartwheels for the, for the guy going forward, but at the same time, I'm going to evaluate him like any other head coach that uh, Auburn has hired in the sport and, and from this point forward, talk about his performance. So that's the end for me on that. All right. Um, John, I just want to say on behalf of our listeners that how much we appreciate you. And as I've said all along from last week till now, we've been honest. We've been nothing but honest. We haven't adopted a pose or put on some other persona (laughs) for the sake of popularity or whatever, right? We've just told people how we feel, just like we've always said. Our show is the conversation we'd be having anyway, and we wouldn't be lying to each other if we were on the phone with each other, and we're not lying to each other when people are listening. We're just not. No, I I, want to be clear. We could make – we are smart people. We could make a more popular podcast where we give hot takes and stuff. Again, <laughs> that industry pays, and there's a, and there's a people out there, but that's not what we want to do. No, we don't have 50,000 listeners a week. We have 2,500 listeners a week, but there are 2,500 that appreciate what we do, and I'll take that every day of the week. Amen. Although after last week, it's probably more like 1,900, but that's okay. That's okay. Hey, ho, that's okay. Um, I, I will say this, though. We did get one feedback from somebody who said that they had brought in a bunch of friends who'd never listened to our show before and said, oh, this show is great. you got to listen to it. And then we absolutely that, – That was the first episode of those people. I'm like, oh, so my bad. gosh. You know, <laughs> it reminded me – this literally reminded me. I've said this story before. You know that I my favorite TV show is Babylon 5. I love that show so much. And when it was first airing, every episode was just bang, bang, bang. And so I had a bunch of friends in Auburn come over, and I'm like, you guys got to see this show. They're like, oh, it sounds stupid. Like, no, 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 it's so good. You got to watch it. We all sat, I got them to all sit down and watch, and it was what is generally considered the worst episode in the history of the show. And when it was over, they're all like, well, that was stupid. And I'm like... Oh, God, of all the ones that they could have listened to first or watched, right? Of all the ones that they had to get this. And and this was the same kind of thing. Is like the, last week's episode was really for our hardcore fans. Unfortunately, it got the most lit downloads of any episode we've done in about two years. 
So, oh well, that's just, you know what? That's just how our show goes. That's how we roll and there's nothing we can do about it. Anyway, all right, let me respond to some things that John said and some things maybe I'll say and some I won't. But he shared with me what he was going to say and so I had the chance. He gave me the opportunity to, to give some responses. So first up, yeah, we had almost no time to process things last week. Several listeners pointed this out. They said, you guys always talk, say that you like having an extra day. Like, you know, we have the games on Saturday. We take Sunday to recover and we record Monday night. But the Hugh Freeze hire happened in, in the middle of the day on Monday and we had almost it no time. like 4 o'clock on Monday. Yeah, we, we had almost no time. To, to absorb it and think about it, we were like raw nerves going on the air, and we just had to kind of scramble and do the best we could, and, and, and that's, that was, it was what it was. Um, but in the time since then, I, and I'm just speaking for me now, not John, I've had time to think about it all, to observe Coach Freeze in action, to hear him at his press conference, to hear him on game day, to hear from uh, athletic director Cohen to process all of this. So I feel like, and, and I've had a week to kind of think it over, right? So I feel like I'm in a much different place now with everything than I was a week ago. All right, so that is to the good, and I'll get to that. All right, we know for a fact that there was no hire Auburn could have made that all Auburn people would have supported. There just wasn't anybody in this cycle that was a Nick Saban to Alabama. There just wasn't. And so every single person we were looking at for this job had some kind of either baggage or negative. Like if it, if it had been, um, if it had been uh, Jeff Grimes, people have been like, oh, that's a boring hire. It's not a splash. If it had been Kiffin, I'd have been like, oh, we just hired a 14-year-old. This is I'm, I'm scared to death he's going to drive our car off the cliff in an emotional episode. You know, If it had been Deion Sanders, oh, can he coach? What are we going to do? Oh, no, we don't know enough yet. I mean, everybody that was in the, you know, in the pipeline, somebody was going to object to for some reason, and it just happened to be the one that we, object, you know, that we objected to for this particular reason. I don't think there was a way we were all going to be happy after this. Um, but I will say after that, after this week of what I just described, I now feel much more secure about our program and much more secure than I would have with Kiffin. I feel enormous anticipation. I feel like big things are on the horizon. I'm very excited about our coach and our coaching staff. Um, I'll say more about why that is in just a minute. I do feel like if we had hired Lane Kiffin, I'd have had a momentary sugar rush of take that old Miss, take that Alabama, and then I'd have buyer's remorse of, oh, no, Lane Kiffin is our coach now. So I'm honestly happier than I would have been with Lane Kiffin having had time to think about it, okay? Um, I, I, yeah, I've, I've said before that the main reason I was rooting for Kiffin, I've admitted to myself now, was the perceived prestige that it would give us to Alabama and Ole Miss fans, but that's not a good reason to hire a coach. Again, hiring Lane Kiffin is a sugar rush followed by, oh, Lord, what have I done? Whereas Freeze is kind of the opposite to me, with, for, with me, okay? Hiring Freeze with me was the, oh, what have we done? And then, huh, well, okay, okay, oh, okay. So I've kind of had, I feel like, Freeze and Kiffin were lines moving, trend lines moving in opposite directions. And maybe sometime on Tuesday of the of last week they cross, or Wednesday they crossed, and now they're firmly in opposite uh, at opposite heights. Um, 
I love the fact that Hugh Freeze has made more contacts with high school coaches in a week than Potato did in two years. That makes me very excited. We're back. We're back, baby. We're back actually recruiting, and it's fantastic. And I tell you what's really the greatest about it is every picture of him at a high school, every picture of him with a player, with a coach, you know who's standing next to him? Carnell Williams. I love that the two of them are together. Keeping Carnell goes a long way toward me feeling the way I do. Honestly, if it was Hugh Freeze and no Carnell, I would still be wrestling with it. But knowing it's Hugh Freeze with Carnell makes me much more comfortable. And I honestly think um, the two of them will be very good influences on each other in completely different ways. We wanted Cadillac to learn more about being a head coach, and I think he can do that from Hugh Freeze. And we wanted Hugh Freeze to be kind of grounded and, and invested in everything. And I think having Cadillac next to him will definitely do that. So I think they will both be very good influences on each other. We've got the freaking dynamic duo. Somebody said it's Crockett and Tubbs. I love that. I'm excited about it. I want more of it. Bring it on. Um, I also love the fact that the first thing Freeze asked Cohen was, will Cadillac stay? He didn't say, do I have to keep Cadillac? He said, will he stay? Like, can I have him as my, as my right-hand man? And Cohen's response was, you'll have to ask Cadillac. So they had a meeting, and they got together, and Cadillac said, I'm very happy about this, and I'm happy to stay. And the fact that Carnell was not foisted on Freeze as a condition if that was the only way to have Cadillac, I would have wanted it, but I would have been less happy about it. The fact that it's completely voluntary and was desirable by both sides enormously makes me happier and more comfortable. I hope that that's clear. Um, uh, everything that, that Freeze said sounds like he is adaptable on offense. His coaching style is adaptable. He's not Gus Malzahn trying to make the same offense work year after year. He evolves. He's talked about maybe having an offensive coordinator with new ideas called the plays. Football has changed, as you very rightly pointed out, but it sounds like he is much more flexible the way that Saban was when football changed than Gus was when, when he didn't change as football changed. Um, so I'm very excited about that. We're still waiting to find out about who the coordinators are and everything, but I, I like the idea that he's flexible, that he recognizes other people can have better ideas than he do. I don't think Gus ever thought anybody had a better idea than he did. I love Gus to death, but I think that's one of his flaws is he thinks he invented the greatest thing that's ever been invented and he would never change. Um, the university is being extremely careful with Freeze's communications. I think that's good. It also makes me sleep better. Um, I do think that you underrate him. I know that you say you've observed him. I understood all that you've said. I respect that. That's fine. But in terms of what I know, what I've read, what I've seen, I think he was easily the best pure football coach we could have gotten this cycle, and I'm very excited about that. And you know what? We'll find out. <laughs> Time will tell, right? So we'll see. Um, his offenses have averaged 450 yards and 33 points per game. He's won 80% of the games where his offense gained at least 400 yards. That's kind of like, again, a Malzahn statistic in terms of number of plays and everything. We will see. But the great thing is we'll find out. We won't have to, it won't be a mystery forever. And I finally feel extremely confident about the Auburn football program going forward. I'm very excited. I'm totally bought in, and I'm ready to roll. There you go. There is my statement. All right. So 
<clears throat> one of the things I should have done last week that we didn't do is revisit something that you and I talked about when we were on campus for the Texas A&M game. If you haven't seen it, we recorded a, a video outside the stadium where we talked about the specific criteria we wanted in a head coach. And so I thought it would be useful to go back to those to discuss mm-hmm. those criteria because I'm sure that all of these are on Cohen's list to talk about how Freeze – relates to these things and why and what we think of them in those things, right? So the first thing we we talked about recruiting in two different ways. We talked about kind of proven results, like classes and players signed, and then we talked about recruiting potential. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in both of those areas, freeze is very strong. Like we're going to recruit well. We are going to attract players in the transfer portal. Auburn is going to sign a you know at the at the minimum, a top 20 recruiting class this cycle. And again, that's starting from 45th a bad or place. Yeah. Right. So again, yeah. I, uh, we'll talk about the transfer portal in a minute, but we, we have to say this like it, it is whatever, 9 40 p.m. on December 5th, 2022. And when you think about the Auburn football roster at this moment and you take out the players who are leaving, who are, go- you know, who have, used up all their eligibility or gone to the NFL, right? Tanks and Derek Calls and the offensive linemen and Schenker and all those guys. This is the least amount of talent an Auburn football roster has had on it in a while. Okay? 99 before going yeah, into we're, 99. We're in 99 territory right now, okay? Yeah. So this roster needs a gigantic infusion of talent. And one of the things we talked about in that YouTube show is that the biggest thing Auburn needed coming off the Parson recruiting fiasco was somebody who could really recruit. Can I? All right, let me interject really quickly before yes. you go on your next thing there. I've got to, I don't know if this is giving him credit. I don't know exactly what this is. It's a quirk. But have you noticed the really odd thing about Potato's recruiting class? It's It was like rated 45th, whatever, just above Vanderbilt or something like that. But if you looked at it, specifically compared to the classes above it, you know what jumped out? What made it that low was that he just wasn't bringing in numbers, right? It was just that we didn't have very many. We had like eight or nine players, but they were almost all four stars. So if if we can keep those and just add like another dose or so, we'll have a good class. Uh, again, I, again, I don't know if this is giving him credit or blame or kind of both, honestly. He, he, it's not that he was bringing in crappy players. It's just that he wasn't bringing in very yeah. many players. Part of that is because his recruiting philosophy was, I'm here. Mm-hmm. The players will walk in the door when they want to see mm-hmm. me. You and know? a few did. And that's, right. And but few, just not many. Did, <laughs> and, and a few did, and we signed those players. Yes, yes. But he, what we need on the recruiting trail as a head coach is going to get out and be relentless and go to all the high schools and meet the high school players and be in constantly at the practices and at the games and following up with players. And, and when going to do that part, win head to head battles with our rivals. Yes. We have to get, have a head coach and a coordinators and staff uh, who are going to, you know, move quickly and be aggressive and be relentless in recruiting, but the head coach has to be involved. It has to be the closer. Derek Brown should not have been this huge exception. We should have been getting five or six Derek Browns on both sides of the ball every recruiting class. That would be yes. a Pat Dye recruiting class. That would be 
a mid-2000s Tommy Tuberville to a degree recruiting class where we're getting two or three players that Alabama wanted and two or three players that Georgia wanted and a couple of players that Florida wanted, and we're building a class of four- and five-star players by taking them away from Georgia and Alabama and Florida. That's what we need, and I feel like if we're ever going to do it, this might be the time. Yes. No, again, I think, again, the late, especially Malzahn recruiting classes were not great. They had some gems in them, but they were not consistently deep and talented. And the harsher recruiting classes have, as you said, have been small and have, and have lacked some star power. And we have got to sign a lot of players, and we got to sign some difference makers. Yes. Because we have some, you know, kind of a solid core of players, as I said, but we don't have a whole bunch of stars coming back. We got to get some play. We have to get some real difference makers on both sides of the ball, especially in the line of scrimmage. <laughs> and so it's both the recruiting class and the transfer portal, but also next year's recruiting class. I think, you know, again, the signing days in 14 days or something. Yeah. So there's a yeah. limited amount of time to make a difference there. I think we will. I think you're going to see some players that are committed to other places switch to Auburn, and you're going to see some big-name uncommitted guys commit to Auburn, and it's going to matter. And I think Freeze can do that, but I think you're going to see uh, the, this recruiting – piece is the, is the number one reason why he was hired, I think. I, I love that Freeze was on game day, and they said, is there anything you want to say? And he's like, you can play early. Come on down. <laughs> like, yes, baby. Preach it. Preach the gospel. That's what I want to hear. Play, plenty of playing time available. That's the truth. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go a couple more of these thing, uh, hiring criteria we talked about. The ability to hire good people. Again, he's brought some Liberty people with him. He kept Carnell, but we haven't seen the coordinator hires yet. That's going to be big. Mm-hmm. Big, 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 who yep. does he hire, um, can be the CEO. So can run the whole program but not be down in the weeds and let his coaches coach, but also do the big picture stuff you need to do as a as a football coach of an SEC school in 2022. The, uh, the next one was communication skills with fans, boosters, you know, uh, other people. And I think, you know, Hugh Freeze is a much better communicator. This is this is not a crazy. This is not a uh, statement that will shock anybody. Hugh Freeze is a much better communicator than Brian Harson or Gus Malzahn. Okay. <laughs> well, set the now, bar high. Why don't you? <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I'm going back. To, you know, 2012. Now, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think Chizik's not a bad communicator. You guys on TV, uh, you know, a bunch. So. Um, he wasn't always the greatest message, but he was. He came across well. I thought he was like a lovable doofus sometimes. Yes. yes. So I I think Freeze can communicate well. I think you're going to see much better communication with the fans and the boosters than we saw certainly under Harson. And again, Gus was an introverted guy. Yes. And I love him, but he yes. was kind of a, a big nerd, and that wasn't his thing. Right. So uh, he. You know, I think you're going to see a different level of communication, and that's going to keep people engaged and excited and make them feel better. Um, some of the other things we talked about, you know, we'll, we'll come back to mm-hmm. uh, game management, wins against quality opponents, SEC experience, like he has that. You know, would it matter? You know, is it something that would worry Georgia and Alabama fans? And, but also we talked about winning the press conference, immediate hype, and kind of the pluses and minuses of that. 
I thought he did win the press conference. You can say, you know, they did everything in their power. The machine was working to make sure, and that's fine. But that was, the, that was what they needed to accomplish, and they did. And I tell you this, I don't know if Alabama and Georgia are shaking in their boots. I don't know. But I tell you this. They're a lot less comfortable than they were with when we had the last two coaches. Well, I, again, the best, the, the number one thing we did to help them was, you know, bring hot Brian Harson on. So yeah. when, when, when we brought him on and he sat in his office and said, recruiting is in business, I'll wait for the players to show up. That's what, that was the best thing we ever did for Georgia and Alabama. Because, again, oh, yeah. it, it doesn't just hurt us with the current players in, in the in the 2023 class like we have to do a lot of work to catch up with the players in the next two classes so we have a lot of effort and a long time to catch up on the recruiting side and i think if we hired the right coaches we could do it but i don't know a, that we're set back there i i don't like i say i don't know that they're taking us the alabama and georgia are taking us seriously yet but i don't i th- i think they're done with not taking us seriously you know what i mean i think they're in evaluation mode now and they haven't been in evaluation mode since tuberville honestly in other words oh what's auburn going to do are, do they alabama and georgia are like does auburn present a threat to us now they haven't had to worry about that since the height of tuberville i don't think they never took chiswick seriously they never took gus seriously they certainly didn't take potatoes seriously they haven't they haven't had to even stop and think about it in so long and and at least now they're having to stop and think about it yeah uh, are they maybe we hope they'll have to stop and think about it um, oh, I, th- I, think I don't know that if they're, they're there yet no I, well, that's what i'm saying i don't think they're there yet but i think that they're they're having to pause and that's something we haven't even caused them to do in a very long time all right so the next thing on the list is the uh, coaching staff discussion so again we uh, we're going to start with what we know and then get into what we what we think or what we hear. Or yeah. Whatever. So um, you want to start running down the list of names? Okay. Well, we know that Cadillac is going to be running back coach still and also associate head coach. And, I mean, I think that he's, like, on the job training. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, after a couple of years he actually goes and gets, like, a Florida Atlantic-type job, you know, Florida International, one of those type jobs. And just builds his resume, builds his experience, and I'd support him 100% doing that. That would be fantastic. But I love having him at Auburn now, and I hope he stays as long as he's uh, as he's able and willing. Um, and then maybe someday he can come back when he's a big shot head coach and, and take us to promised land. Um, defensive line from Liberty, Jeremy Gar- Garrett. We don't know a lot about him. I don't. You might. And while I'm uh, – go ahead. I was going to say, what I know is that the best part of Liberty's team last year was their defensive line. I like it. They were Sounds really good at disrupting the, uh, the other team in the backfield. They were in the top ten in some stats and, and pressure and, and disruption and stuff. So that was good. I mean, I think good. he's a good, a good young coach. And he had a couple former Auburn players that you know went up there. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he, you know, he did well with them and the other guys he had. So um, Ben... Iga Mawa as the tight ends coach from Liberty also. My understanding is he's a guy that kind of has been with Freeze forever, like follows him around. Yeah, he's been with Freeze since before Ole Miss, I think. So So he's kind of the uh, um, SMU head coach. Rhett Lashley? He's kind of the Rhett Lashley of uh, Hugh Freeze maybe in a way. I don't know, something like that. That's fair. All right. Wesley McGriff. Well, well. And this is like his third stint. I feel like it. The crime dog. He's back. He's back. He was at. Uh, he left Auburn. I think he went to 
Florida or South Carolina, and then he was at Louisville uh, this past year. I he feel like we hired back. him from one of the Mississippis, though, didn't we? Did we hire him from Mississippi State or something originally? He's know. been all over the place. Okay. He's, he's been all over. He's been all over, and he's always been good. Nobody's he's a ever good found recruiter and a good yeah. coach. Yeah. Zach Etheridge is probably going to stay. Yeah, I don't think it's official, official, but he's still out there recruiting for us today. And we know uh, he can you know, recruit. And we know he can recruit. Some of the other, you know, coaches have already let go, and he's still around. So I think he's still in. I think he is an official, maybe at this point. But I hope he stays. So supposedly we've got Jake Thornton from Ole Miss, the offensive line coach. Yeah. That, now this is actually big. Of the of the guys we have hired, Thornton is a young offensive line coach at Ole Miss who did a great job there. You will remember their running game was the best in the conference this year. Uh, and he's got a reputation for you know recruiting and developing offensive linemen. And this is absolutely someone that Kiffin did not want to lose. Uh, so, so this is actually really good. And to me, the you know, I mean, I love Carnell or whatever, but this is this is the guy that we stole from another school that, that people were that I think is a, a great hire and can make a big difference. So. <laughs> and and I'd rather have him than Kiffin, honestly. So we got the one I'd rather have. And I and my understanding too, there's the receivers coach at Ole Miss we were talking to, and Ole Miss ran out and threw a whole bunch of money at him to get him to stay because they were terrified we'd get both of them. I don't remember his name. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know you're talking about, but I. He was supposed to be a really good recruiter, too, and they were horrified yep. at the thought that we would get him. I love the fact that Freeze just as like goes over and starts raiding Ole Miss's staff. That's just the best thing. I mean, honestly, it's like, okay, Ole Miss told us no, our coach would never leave Ole Miss to come to Auburn, so theirs doesn't. So then we hire somebody who starts taking their assistance away. I thought that your coaches would never leave Ole Miss for Auburn. What's going on here? What's up with Thornton and the other guy? That's interesting. So we, I don't think they were going to get him. But it was like up in the air for a couple of days there. Uh, all right. We also know – we don't know exactly – we don't know who the coordinators are going to be yet, though there's been some talk. So yeah. so we don't know exactly what kind of offense and defense we're going to run yet. That's right. We don't We don't know – again, we're higher position coaches. We don't know the coordinators. So we don't know the scheme exactly, but we have some ideas. Um, and, and then again, you, you talked about this thing earlier with, I think freeze is a good offensive coach and I think he's had his hands in the offense and he's going to have his hands in the offense, but he has been the play caller up to now everywhere he's been. So him staying out of it is going to be something we're going to have to see. We'll see uh, if I they think, do that. Yeah. Again, I don't think he's the same as some other people, but I, I think anybody that's been an offensive coach and he's going to be involved. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that's part of it. So w- on offense, we've heard um, Phil Longo from North Carolina and Kendall Bryles from Arkansas. I watched um, North Carolina play whoever in that bowl game. Cle- Clemson. Yeah. ACC do, championship game. Do we, do we like Phil Longo? I don't even – I don't remember. I don't know. I didn't, I, didn't, so, I didn't absorb enough to make an – I didn't know I was supposed <laughs> to be paying attention then, and so I didn't. Okay, I, I probably should have said something on Twitter to people to pay attention. But he, let me say this: their offense was really, really good for a lot of this year. It kind of came back down to earth at the end of the year. Part of that was they were playing really good defenses in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a a repute again. He this is where how where Longo comes from. He was hired away from a smaller school to Ole Miss right before Freeze left. Okay, so then Free. 
Longo stayed at Ole Miss and was the offensive coordinator after the season after Freeze left when when Luke stayed on as the interim coach, Matt Luke. And so uh, then he went to North Carolina with Mac Brown a couple years ago. So he has a reputation that his offense goes really fast, sometimes too fast, mm. like negatively impacting the defense fast. Mm. But again. you know, North Carolina's offense has had you know, thousand yard rushers and thousand yard receivers and productive quarterbacks while he's been there. Yeah. So okay. and it's not a and I I wonder part of what I think about when I hear this is like I in my mind, like maybe Auburn is gonna be a more kind of offensive oriented team even hmm. um than we traditionally have been. So I don't know. Um on the defensive side Well there was a couple we didn't mention well, Kendall uh, Bryles. Okay. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about him and the Ole Miss receivers coach who will remain nameless for now. He's another one they were talking about making the offensive coordinator. And the, what it seemed to be there was if the if the Ole Miss receivers coach became offensive coordinator, then I got the sense that Freeze would probably keep calling the plays, and he would be kind of like the you know put the game plan together, get the players ready type of offensive coordinator, rather than the hands on you know play calling offensive coordinator. So Derek Derek Nix, Derek Nix, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two names that should be familiar to Auburn people, right? Derek and Nix. We've had a lot of Derek's. We had a lot of Nixes. So how could I not? Yeah. So there was some talk that if we did get Derek Nix to come over, he'd be offensive coordinator, which would mean a position, a a a, a promotion, and a big raise. And apparently, Ole Miss just started back in the Brinks. Where's Ole Miss getting all this money that they're having to spend on their coaches? Man, we're. I was gonna say. I don't know what else we've done lately, but we've definitely caused Ole Miss to have to spend a whole lot more money in the last couple of weeks than they were planning on. We've probably bankrupted well, some Magnolia State rich people. I get part of my feeling. I, I want to see at the end of this, and we'll see. I one of my real questions at the end of this whole hiring thing that we're going to talk about is: What is Auburn's pool for assistant coaches? What's the salary pool for assistant coaches? Where does that rank among the SEC staffs? Because right. in my mind, it better be in the top six or so. Yes. And if oh, we're yes. in the bottom four or five in assistant pool, I'm going to be unhappy. I'm just telling you. You can't shop at Bargain Town and expect to get Cartier results. Ding, ding, ding. It, well, this is the other thing. I'm, while we're talking about coordinators, I want everybody here to be aware of and pay attention to. We're not the only people shopping right now. Okay? No. No. Kentucky's lost their foot's a coordinator. South Carolina lost our offensive coordinator. Alabama's getting ready to dump both coordinators. Um, <laughs> Texas A&M just dumped That's their offensive so coordinator. Not that he actually did anything. You know, John, people shopping all over town saying, if you like bargains, you'll love Bargain Town, USA. Are they a sponsor now? Is that, what, <laughs> is that an ad read? As, as, as much as they paid, for, as much as they provided my wardrobe when I was a kid because my grandmother thought the greatest place on earth to shop was Bargain Town. <sighs> Anyway, enough of my problems in life. Defensive coordinator, Barry Odom, Arkansas? Is that former the former Missouri, Missouri guy? Yeah. Yeah, former Missouri it, head coach. He wow, was interesting. coordinator before that. He's a good defensive coach, I think. So. Yeah. All Not right. that Arkansas's defense was good. Is this Traveris Robinson like our former receiver DB? Yes. He's at Alabama now? He's the secondary coach at Alabama right now. What? what when did that happen? I did not get the memo. I don't want him well, at I mean, Alabama. He was... He was at South Carolina, right? With Muschamp. Muschamp before okay. you know, Beamer. 
Muschamp's okay. on Georgia's staff now. That's right. They move around so much it's ridiculous. i got to write a strongly worded letter to Mr. Robinson and say, I do not approve of you pl- being an Alabama coach. The check clears, man. I know it, but still. Um, I, my understanding, Charles Kelly, wasn't he like the Florida State guy at one point back when we were? He was. Okay. And we, could, and we talked about him as a potential hire then. He yes. actually went to Auburn. Yeah. To Maris Robinson. And my understanding is he's been hired as the defensive coordinator at somewhere else now. Right, I keep going. I'm I can't. It, maybe, maybe Colorado with Dion. Look, Colorado hired Kent State's head coach as their offensive coordinator today. I don't know if you remember Kent State came into our stadium last year and they were, you know, a fun little one double A team. They hired Kent State's head coach as Colorado's offensive coordinator today. That's crazy that you go from head coach to uh, to well, coordinator. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's clearly, the head coach co- of Kent State make cl- clearly Colorado. That's true. Clearly, Colorado has made a commitment to excellence. Now, whether they're going to get excellence or not, we'll see. It's going to be. I tell you what, it's going to be fun to watch. They're going to be a team that's going to be fun to watch. I'm going to have my eye. I'll have one eye on Colorado. Next, uh, in fact, maybe we need a new, maybe we need a new eye on Colorado. Oh, good gosh. Kelly Kelly is rumored uh, uh, Colorado is talking to him. Right. That was, that was the word I had gotten. Yeah. So uh, let's see who else. Uh, Chris Kiffin, the brother of Lane Kiffin, perhaps. And Todd. Oh, no, 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 no. Stop it. No. No, I'm pulling this podcast over. I'm pulling this podcast over. No, Todd Grantham. No, I didn't make that up. That's reported. They're talking to him. Nope, not doing it. Nope, not doing it. Zip it. Zip. 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 Zip it. Zip. Listen, if we are Todd Grantham, our offense better be awesome. <laughs> it's just incentive to be a better offense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh well, you know, everybody fifty to forty. <laughs> you know, in a year or so, if we did hire him in a year or so, we're gonna look back at today and say, "Why you can't, monkey boy?" Exactly, because it won't be any laughing going on then. No, no, God, oh please. Um, all right. So, what do you think's gonna come out of all that? Who do you predict we're gonna end up with, and and so forth? I don't know. I mean, I, honestly, I I don't know. There's probably some other people that are out there that you know, we haven't even listed. Um, and there may, like you said, there may be other coaches that are going after that are strong recruiters that they could put in that OC role and then yeah, you know, freeze to let run the offense. But that was that was the I strong think, impression I got from uh, from yeah. from Derek Nix. Yeah, he's a great recruiter. Bringing him him in. You got to promote him to OC to get him to come, right? And then you let kind of freeze do the do the thing. The other name out there for DC is Travis Williams. I've watched a lot of Central Florida football in the last year or two, John. If I can paraphrase you talking about Liberty last week, I've watched a lot of uh, Central Florida football. I've made a point of watching them almost every week when I could when they weren't on the same time as us. I got to be honest, Central Florida. God love Gus. I love Gus. I love T. Will. Neither one of them's done a whole lot to inspire me. I mean, Central Florida has been very thoroughly mediocre the last two years. So, do I mean? Do we want? I mean, I, I'm sure he'd be a great recruiter. But what do we think about Travis Williams as a defensive coordinator so far? I think the jury's kind of out. To be honest, to be harshly honest, maybe I'm wrong. They lost to Navy for crying out loud. 
They almost had Southern Florida, South I mean, Florida. They did just play for the conference title. Yeah, they um, did. And they lost. But I mean, they played one and they played one in ten South Florida, and their defense gave up like thirty something points to South Florida in like the third quarter. They almost blew it. After uh, losing the how, Navy. How, how many points did South Florida score against Florida? Do you remember? They no. South Florida went into Gainesville and lost thirty one to twenty eight. Oh wow! Okay. Um, well, they they went so into a I, lot of places and lost. <laughs> they went into but, their own stadium and lost a bunch. <laughs> it's fair. Um, again, they the defense was okay. It wasn't great. They allowed twenty three points a game. You know. Yeah. Uh, and that included stopping some bad teams. But again, it, they, you know, they if they lose their bowl game, you know how many losses Central Florida is going to have? Five. five. Does that sound familiar? Anybody? Yep. It's different, and see, I know that there's a couple. I know a couple of our listeners would be like, "Oh, don't be so." I, I want Gus to go undefeated every year. I want him to make us feel really bad about it, but he just keeps I, proving us right. I think Travis Williams is a really good young coach that's only going to get better, and is also a great recruiter. So, okay, all right, that'll work. I'm, I mean, I don't think he's the at this point in his career. He's not the greatest defensive mastermind, but I think he's a. A good young coach He's, who kind of did what he could with what he had. So. Up and coming young, yeah, coach. Okay, well, that works. That's fine with me. I mean, if I, you know, I'll give him a shot. That's cool. Uh, what else we got? Christian Robinson as linebacker he, coach. Where did we even get him from? That guy was kind of he, always like he the was, mystery coach. He was at Florida before this. The last okay. several years before we came to Auburn. He's a good recruiter, uh, and I think the linebacker play was okay. I think it was fine. It wasn't my favorite but it was okay it varied it was really all over yeah. the map um and much better later than it was early did um did, were you surprised we got rid of ike hilliard I, again i'm not surprised when any coach is is gone yeah when when the, a new coach comes in especially on that side of the ball like again yeah. I, I just thought he was like a good get and i was really surprised when we got him and i kind of like you know and he did a good job with the offense with Carnell. Yeah, no, again, I, I, he and Friend did a really good job down the stretch, mm-hmm. um, and I hope he gets a job somewhere else doing this. But yeah. um, he was an interesting guy. Yeah, I kind of liked him. He was. He was an interesting guy. Else, I think part of it is they looked at that that wide receiver coach is a premium recruiter position, and I think yeah. they were looking around going, "Is he an ace recruiter?" That's fair. And the guy they would have brought over from Ole Miss was an ace recruiter. So they, yeah. yeah that's, and I think that's... whoever they put in that position is going to be an ace recruiter. Yeah. Uh, hey, I mean, uh, Trooper Taylor's out there. <laughs> I know you're excited about that. Uh, let's see some. Uh, what was it, Kent Austin? Remember, he was the quarterback at. He was actually a quarterback at Ole Miss, I think. He was the quarterback coach at Liberty. Okay. He's coming again. If if there's a spot for him on the field, he'll get that job. If not, he's going to be an off the field offensive. Analyst, or, analyst whatever. or whatever, yeah. And the same with Maurice Harris was the wide receiver coach at Liberty. I think he's he's also coming and he's going to have some role, mm. either on the on the field or off the field. So, All right. and he also he brought his strength coach and, not, and chief of staff and those people. So. If there was an offensive coordinator that you could that you think would that would come that would work really well with Freeze and that would bring something exciting, who would you want to pick? I mean, again, we're not going to get him right now, but the guy that like if TCU was not in the playoff right now, mm-hmm. there would be ten colleges backing up trucks to get Lincoln Riley's brother, who's the offensive coordinator at TCU. Yeah, and and there may still be 
teams trying to get him, but they're in the playoff, and so I don't think he's going to leave, you know, until after. Well, what do you think of right, right? What do you think about Kendall Bryles? You've you've ex- told me in the past about that offense, how it uses the position of the players before the snap and everything, yeah. very wide and all that. What do you think? Is that too Big Twelve for us or what? Well, again, I. He's Art Bryles' son. He was on the staff at Baylor when all the bad stuff happened. Yeah. So that's a that's a no for me. Yeah. From that perspective, mm-hmm. um, again, the the guy who was at Ole Miss this before, who's now the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, Lebby, is their brother-in-law. Whatever. He runs the same offense, and I think he probably he does it a little bit better. Actually, you've seen. I mean, you've seen Bryles at Arkansas. He's been the offensive coordinator at Arkansas the last few years. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, the Tennessee's coach is actually running, you know, and I, I honestly kind of a better version of it with the with what they're doing. Um, so, I, but again, the Tennessee offensive coordinator just left and took the South Florida head coaching job. So I think there's another school. That's the other school I was trying to think of that's in the offensive coordinator market right now, competing yeah. against us. Yeah. So, yep. 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 Um, so uh, all of these guys that we're going after are going to be getting calls from all of these schools. So, mm. um, so I, that was the you asked me if there's any offensive coordinator I could get that I would be really happy with. Right. Who would I like? And I, I'm, I mean, I said the guy from um, from TCU because I think they were you know, their offense is really fun. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's see. In other news, we are not going to a bowl game, but I think that probably if there was ever a year that we can be like, ah, okay, that's fine. This is probably the year because of the turnover of the staff and everything. I mean, what are we going to run? You know, we don't even have an offense right now. Um, we're going to 12 teams in the playoff. And, you know, you and I have said this over and over and over that when the playoff goes to 12 teams, that becomes all that matters. There's winning the conference. There's winning the division, if they even still have those anymore. There's winning a bowl game, whatever. But honestly, the measure of success will be, did you make it to one of those 12 spots? It'll be it'll be the college football equivalent of getting into the World Cup and getting to the second round, right? Right, right now in, in, in international soccer, you know, to, to be considered legit at all, you make the 32-team field. And then to say you're a success, you at least get to the second round, which the U.S. did, so we were considered to be successful this year. After that, there's just 16 powerhouses to the end. Okay, so this is the same thing. To be considered legit, you make those 12, that 12-team field, and to be really taken seriously as a power, you win your first game in the playoffs. You get to that next level of eight, I guess, right? There'll be four that have a bye, and then eight will play, and then, yeah, so... But that's, that's I, I think I think you're 100% right. The measure of success for Auburn, and again, mm-hmm. I think that the expansion to 12 team benefits Auburn as much as any program in America. Yes, yes, it absolutely yes. does. Yes, because we can have a really good season and go 10 and two and not go to Atlanta and make mm-hmm. the 12 team playoff. Yeah, we so, exactly. We could have a team that doesn't that that still finishes behind Alabama or finishes behind LSU or something in a given year. But would still be good enough to make the be in the top twelve. All you got to do now is be in the top twelve when that kicks in, and we can do that. hundred percent, we can do that. It's a, yes. it's a very achievable thing, and so this is the part. This is the you know fair or unfair. This is going to be the standard going forward that we yeah. judge co- yeah. Auburn coaches by. 
It is. Did you get in? That's right. Uh, let's see. In other news, the transfer portal. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Fun fact, people don't realize college football transfers actually happen in a blue police box. There you go. So what's the what's the word on that? Anything of note? Van, at 11.30 a.m. Eastern today, there were over 700 players in the portal, and it's over like 1,400 now, I think. Um, you can't be it, serious, it, man. You cannot be serious! Oh, I meant to say when we were talking about the playoffs going to 12 teams. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Yeah, no, we're not kidding you. So how many players? Well over 1,000 players are in the transfer portal right now. Good Lord. So this is a challenge for a couple reasons. Number one is, you know, obviously there are several Auburn players that have entered the transfer portal. We'll talk about them in a minute. But the biggest challenge, especially for a brand new staff, is simply the process of the of the portal. You mm. have a limited period of time. Mm. You need to know right now who are the good players in there and the players you want and contact them and get them to visit you and stay on top of them because other schools are going to be calling them too and yeah. reach out to the you know your next targets and get them on campus and, and connect with them, have online recruiting sessions with them. You're going to have to really be constantly evaluating, okay, these this guy's committed. He's off the board. This guy's committed. Oh, this man. guy's actually come in the portal now. So it's a constant evaluation process. Here's the positions we need, guys. Again, what is Auburn's needs? Offensive line, pass rusher, defensive end. Okay, it's, it's like bidding on thirty different things on eBay at the same time and waiting to refresh the computer to see if they've gotten bid on, gotten instant purchased or whatever. You know, That's every it. player that transfers away, we look at like, and every player that transfers in, we're like. Because as somebody said on Twitter, like, remember, every player that leaves was a problem in the clubhouse and 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 didn't fit the didn't, didn't work hard didn't yeah and every player that comes in is going to be a help to the team and a you know they 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 fit our system and all that it's so funny and I think the biggest my biggest thing about the transfer portal for Auburn is number one numbers like we're we're signing. You know, a period is coming up. I don't think we're going to sign 25 players, okay? But I, so I think be- between, and it used to be between the portal and signing day, you could only bring in 25 players in a calendar year. Now that's gone. Mm-hmm. That cap is gone. The only cap is the 85 players on scholarship thing. Mm-hmm. So with the numbers that Auburn is losing and the low numbers that we have recruited, I think Auburn between the, Signing day in the portal, we're looking at like 30 players. Easy. I think we need to get over the next couple of months if we can. And so if it's 15 and 15 or 20, you know, uh, you know, 10 or something, I think that's what we need to do. And maybe more than that. So in the different, in the past couple of years, we've done a good job in the transfer portal of getting guys who were kind of like good depth players, mm-hmm. you know, guys who could be like, the backup at a position, the backup safety, you know, a backup offensive lineman who could be a complimentary piece and those kind of things, right? A backup wide receiver. We need some starters. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, we need some starting. The number one thing Amen. that is the hardest to get out of the portal is starting offensive linemen. Yeah. And there's a couple on there's some on the market, and I'm gonna tell you, everybody in America is calling those guys. Now, the, everybody in America doesn't have SEC starting availability, which yeah. we could sell tomorrow. For we sure. couldn't sell the last couple of years. That's why we didn't get any. But we can sell it today, and those guys are going to seriously look at it, I think. I think there's a, re- a chance we get a couple of real players out of the transfer portal at offensive line. I don't know why we wouldn't. I mean, given everything that's changed now, the situation's completely different. <laughs> We've gone from having 20 guys that are – okay but they're taking up spots you know to nobody we knew this year was coming i've you know i know people on various mailing i'm not on any message boards but i'm on a mailing list or two and there's people that are have been like for three years have been like 2023 we're in deep doo-doo right when it comes to the offensive line i was gonna say we better get some good players or next year is going to be you know an absolute disaster we're gonna have to play that football where you have the center and the quarterback, and there's no other offensive line, you know, and we may be hurting You're to have seven a Seven on seven or whatever. Yes, exactly. We have to play seven on seven football. That's the only way we can do it. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Uh, all right, anything else about football roster, transfers, anything like that? I'm not going to go down a list of people or anything. No, I mean, I just – we, we did get one. And it's funny, right before free started, we got one really good commitment on the football side. Darren Reed flipped as a four star defensive lineman from Georgia, flipped from LSU to Auburn, and I think he's a good get. So. <laughs> I'll take uh, that. Shoot. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good, good, good. All right. Um, basketball, very quickly. Uh, we, oh, the every time we play Colgate, all the toothpaste memes come out, all the sayings, they're all very clever. Um, but we did beat Colgate, who was a good shooting team, I believe, and we really did play good defense, and we shot really well. That was amazing. That was by far our best shooting game of the season was what we did against them. It, there was some advanced stat thing. That was our best offensive game, period, since the last Auburn game you and I went to two years ago in 2019. We had that home game. CSUN. Um, yep, where, where whoever that was. When uh, we killed them and we had like 110 points in that game, it's the uh, some advanced stats said it was the best offensive game performance since then. But it was a really good shooting game, and we moved the ball better. Mm-hmm. We executed better on offense. It was great to see. Yeah, and we and and we still maintain that when we needed to, KD can just go off. Wendell can hit when he needs to. Can do his thing. And Flanagan the new guys, great in that game. oh, Flanagan continues to amaze me. Honestly, he's night and day from last year. And I thought um, the young guys are coming along. There, there, there was more sync. They weren't quite there. They're still not there yet. They still don't look like a team. The young guys, but they look more like a team than they have up until this point. And that's that's encouraging. You know, it's coming, right? It's just a matter of yes. will it will it be a month? Will it be the rest of the season? Will it be next season? But sooner or later, the I'm talking about like Trehor and the new point guard. Westry. Westry, yeah, Chance Westry and all of them, right. They'll they'll get it together. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take. So and, they're and out. Broom, I think, I oh, think yeah. too, yes. I, uh, Janai Broom has been playing well from the jump. I the only the only issue I have with him still is he's not quite in sync with the others. He kind of has to freelance a lot. He has to do a lot by himself. But the thing is, he can. 
You know, he can block shots by himself when nobody else is really in sync with him. He can lay the ball in when he has to. He can make a presence underneath there. So he's he hasn't been Walker Kessler yet, but he's done things that he didn't require others working intimately with him to do. Once that comes along, he'll go to the next level even more. He's yeah. going to be great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've no, I, I feel very strongly about that as well. The, uh, my only thought in basketball is that – remember we played that terrible game against Northwestern in the Cancun Challenge? It was yeah, like and the was, worst basketball oh, yeah. game any of us have ever seen. Yes. If you didn't pay attention, Northwestern just went into top 20 Michigan State and beat them. There you go. Yes. So Win looks a little better today. It does. Oh, we knew it would. Yeah. They're, um, we're uh, – I, and we have one of the longest home winning streaks, I, I guess, in, in America, regardless of in a, in a conference, out of conference, right? I mean, I, did we lose a home game last year? I don't think we did. No. I think the Arkansas, the Florida, whatever, with Tennessee was all on the road. So, yeah. Yes. Um, and they're off for exams because they, they got to do that stupid school thing. It's so annoying. Um, but uh, they come back. Uh, in five days from when we're recording this, when you're listening to this, probably four days on the 10th of December, to play Memphis in Atlanta. Is that a, a tournament of some sort, I'm guessing? If it's no, in Atlanta, it's just a, just... A, a, we played a game there last year in the Hawks Arena. Okay. Um, I can't remember who it was last year, some other non-conference team. And, and so we're doing the same thing again this year. So. All right. That works. Uh, one other basketball note, and it's a sad one, but I have to – I have to pass along that, uh, that Jeff Moore has passed away. We were talking about him with Sonny recently, John. You and I have talked about him in the mm-hmm. show. Uh, he was a great six. He was a, kind of a short center, six seven, two hundred and forty pound center forward. Play uh, drafted by the Hornets in the in the nineteen eighty eight draft. But he had four years at Auburn. Was a two time All SEC player, uh, replacing Charles Barkley. I think he was. Uh, number 30, and, and I think Chris Morris got Barkley's number 34. But he, he was always joined at the hit with Chris Morris. I always think of Jeff Moore and Chris Morris together, and they were such a dynamic duo. I loved them so much. Um, he played in the NCAA tournament in each of his four seasons, and he left the school as the second all-time leading rebounder with 950 rebounds and 10th on the all-time scoring list of 1549 points. I really always enjoyed – he was like a – Slightly smaller Barkley in a way, wasn't he? He always he had the bald head. He just kind of he kind of reminded me of of a of a slightly smaller Barkley. And we was out there with Chris Morris. It was a joy to behold. What are your memories of of Jeff Moore at all? Right? No, I love that team. The Jeff Moore, uh, Chris Morris, Mike Jones team, Frank Ford, and other players. And again, a, a he was a good shooter uh, for a big man too. He had some nice touch. Um, but also a good, you know, a really fierce rebounder and defender on the inside for an undersized guy, and very physical at a time when you know the SEC was a, a very physical conference. And uh, I, you know, I love watching him play, and he played with a lot of heart. And uh, you know, rest in peace. I remember Jim Fife would say he had very soft hands, and I never really he fully did. understood what he meant by that. But it sounded like a good thing for a basketball player. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that means he, you know, he. Some guys, whether it's a pass or a rebound, you know, the ball just kind of bounces off their hands sometimes, yeah. or they can't, they can't bring it in. And Jeff Moore could always bring it in. Yeah, and and rebound and he, it. But, yeah. yeah, that's right. And Sonny said that 
when he broke his hand in that game with Georgia Tech, it it, it really affected his game going forward. He said he would have been a much better player in the NBA if he hadn't have broken his hand. It must have really messed him up worse than I realized. Well, again, because it was mid-season, so yeah. it wasn't like they could, you know, cast it and tell him fully recover and then do modern rehab stuff on your hand. Like he mm. played with a broken hand mm. and banged it against a bunch of SEC guys for weeks after. So. I can't even imagine. So, all right. So that's uh, Jeff Moore, great center. Um, all right. Let me pause here really quickly to thank our patrons uh, in a very awkward and uncomfortable segue. Um, but we don't do ads. We depend entirely on you guys to keep us going. Uh, by the way, I got to say the book, the basketball book, talking about Auburn basketball, Auburn basketball from Barkley to Bruce, our most recent Auburn book, has been selling really well on Amazon. You know that we blew it out and sold out all the copies that the AU bookstore had when we were there for the book signing the, the weekend of Texas A&M. That was awesome. We thank you guys did that. We were just there to sign them and hand them to you. That's all we did. Um but um, it's been doing great. I'm very excited. I was kind of depressed this morning to check the sales stats and see that uh, it and it and Validus V, my giant robots and monsters book, came out about the same time, and the basketball book has uh, has outsold it about six to one. So I'm I appreciate you guys all buying Auburn basketball. Now, if you go and buy the monsters and robots book, that'd be awesome too. Validus V, thank you. All right, now we got to get to it. Here are the folks who keep us going. And keep this show on the road. And we have, I think, at least one new one. Let's see. They include... Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. We got a couple of different ones here. All right. Here we go. You ready for this? uh, We've got Samuel Salvatore, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Carl Von Drunker, Boris the Tiger's Burner account. Mm. I'm very interested to know... About that one. Boris the Tiger's Burner account. Uh, Ann Kangian, Bradley Blackman, Daniel Odom, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU Fan at KSC. I didn't bring Boris down here, but we're not doing video tonight, so that's okay. Uh, Logan Chilton. <laughs> hey, there goes Tank Man. There you go. Matthew Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil Amthor, Master Sommelier, and, and I'll go ahead and say 76 Tiger Esquire is official sleazy shyster of... Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage! Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage! Go ahead and knock those two out together. Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick. Richard is like, I stand resolute in defying this fad of having sound effects with my name. God bless you, Richard. I appreciate you very much. Steve Trawick. <laughs> Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick. Them, them too. Them too. Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden. Uh, Auburn has a freeze warning according to multiple sources. Well, I think we after last week's show, we know that. Uh, basketball season plus the basketball book, a winning combination since 2022. I, you'd think I wrote that copy myself, but I did not. Ben Bloodworth, Chris, uh, I already said them, uh, Chris Hilton, go crazy Cadillac, go crazy. Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Bobby. Freeze warning has a new meaning after John's breakdown of the hire. There you go. All right. Somebody appreciate you. Um, Jacob and Robin Fleming, John Otsuki, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Logan, Mickey B. No one fights like Gaston, Algo Rhythm and Blues, Paul Miles, Phil Davis, Reynolds Wolf. 
Uh, Rich Reimer, Rusty Owens. Sarah, I had a funny exchange with Reynolds the other day. Bless his heart. Uh, Sarah Brown, Steve Harlan, Theodore Geary, War Eagle Always, Warhammer 6, WDE Richie, It's Hugh Freeze Time, Wes Atkinson, and William Morgan, Wilson Beard. Um, Wilson Beard, yeah. When Carol heard Cadillac is taking over the reins and said... Good. Yeah. Good. Now we're having fun. Winston Body, Returning to Everything School. Uh, Alexa, play Hell Freezes Over by Eagles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger's regular account. Brandon Smith, Carter Glouse, Cato the Barner, Colby Butler, Corey Smyer, David Simpson, Dibama, Hugh Anderson, Josh Teal, Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Luther, and Kelly Ottaway. One more win and we're bowl eligible. Oh, we were if only. Papa Todd, uh, <laughs> Patrick Williams, and our one-time anonymous donors. Yeah! Oh, thank you, Patrick. Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Tony Perry, Weagle87, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. I'm totally going to go there and get me some Mad Reaper Peppers. AJ Herman, Alex Wynn, and finally, Daniel Witten's Doppelganger account. There's a lot of interesting account action going on this week. I don't know. Uh, ben Amos, Ben Henshu. I'm just glad we still have patrons, honestly. <laughs> I'm just glad we still have patrons. Thank you, Lord. Ben Regas, Brian Albanese. I was afraid it was going to be, and now thanking our patrons, Chris Como and Boris the Tiger. I was afraid that's how it was going to go. Chris Moody, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane. I am missing my category, mister. Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Daniel Witten, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald, Escort Hugh Freeze elsewhere. Interesting. Okay. Um, we got to get better at celebrating. Yeah, I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jason Louisa Skull Albrecht, Jeremiah Schumann, and finally, Jim McCrory, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, uh, Kenneth Brent Rains, The Barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. I don't know. I think he's probably going to fail us again in the future. AKA Auburn Dad for Life, Mark Squire, MVP Captivating Kathy Bright. So untrue about Kathy. Paul Bankson, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Spanky, you thought we were done, but Spanky is the homeless guy that lives in the unisex bathroom at Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, thank you for my basketball book. Well, thank you. The Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, when Freeze wins. <laughs> when Freeze wins John over, we can say. John says maybe. And Brant Rumble and our one-time and anonymous donors, we thank you all so very much. And honestly, I say that every week. We thank you so much, but I do want to thank you so much for being patient and putting up with our two-hour and 25-minute show last week, regardless of how it was, regardless of how things went down. That was a lot to ask of anybody to put through to sit, to sit through that. So we hope that you all survived. Now, you know what time it is, John. It is time for... What time is it for? Guess the game. Well, Van, John, the rest of the AU Wishbone family. It's Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist here with Guess the Game number 72. 
Guess the Game 72 is brought to you by listener Josh Corbett. He sent this one in. I have this nagging feeling that I might have used this play early on in Guess the Game. And a smart man probably would have tracked all the plays that he's used for Guess the Game. But we're 72 of these in now, and I'm not a smart man. So anyway, if we've used it before, it's worth bringing up again. Let's give this a listen. This is true. There's a snap to... Pressure off the edge. He's flushed out. He's running around. He's in trouble. He's going down. The Tigers are going to win. The Tigers are going to win. All right, guys. I'll see you in the hint file. All right. I have a suspicion. The announcer was Rod Bramblett, which means um, 2003 to 2019 ish. Right. I can't remember when Rob. Rob, It it was sounded like a home game. Yes. Maybe. Well, I. I'm not positive. Okay, we'll skip that part. It was a defensive play. Yes. Which is the clincher where the other team's quarterback ran around and then we sacked him. Mm-hmm. Now, the, 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 there's, there's two games that come to my mind. Well, there's three where we kind of hounded another team's quarterback. There was the Florida State game in 1990, but I think that's too early for this. Yes, I agree. There was the West Virginia rain game where we kind of harassed their Brown quarterback Brown. Yeah. And then there was Texas A and M twenty thirteen. Mm. Johnny Mac Manziel Manziel Manziel. So I think it could be either the West Virginia game or this or the A and M game. Okay, the the A and M game was in College Station. Yeah, the West Virginia game was in Auburn. I can't think of us. Yeah, you know, the only other game I can think about us chasing around a a, a big time quarterback that was kind of shocking. We got him would be like maybe. Dante Culpepper back in '98 when yeah, we played Central that, Florida. That game didn't end that way though. Yeah, too and too far back, I think too. And we lost that game. No, we didn't lose, but we hit Karsten Bailey on a pass at the very end and won like 13 to seven or something. That was like the one game that uh, Brother Oliver won, I think. Right. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm thinking about the South Florida. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I go. Uh, let's let's do the head file because I, I think it's either Manziel or Brown. And, I, I'm I'm leaning Manziel, but let's see. Okay, let's get rid of those bleeps and listen again. There's the snap to Manziel. Pressure off the edge. He's flushed out. He's running around. He's in trouble. He's yes! going down. The Tigers are going to win. The Tigers are going to win. Yeah, that should confirm what you already suspected in that original play. <laughs> You're right. That's good. I'll dude. see you guys in the answer I- file. I, the other thing is the the excitement in their voices. It means it was a gigantic, game. a big play. Yeah, and, and it was. was. And do you remember that's also that was D Ford. That was the D Ford play. The other D Ford. Yes. All right. So let's get the. All right, John Van. This is of course Auburn playing Texas A and M in 2013. What a glorious, glorious it game. Was. What a glorious last play. Yeah. D Ford came off. You guys remember. Anyway, it was a great... <laughs> the D Ford from our team, not the D Ford from England. Right. It's also very confusing. But anyways, if you guys want to be like Josh Corbett and send in a play for Guess the Game, you can do that lots of different ways. I am at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Or you can email me directly at Jared, that's J-A-R-R-O-D, at theyardsaleartist.com. Until next time, Van, John, Yeah, that was a good one. That was certainly a very big play. And I think, I've always said, that was the play, that was the game where we all realized that that 2013 team had the potential to be something really special. I don't think we knew they were going to go to one play from the national championship. 
but we knew they weren't going to be three and nine either, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because remember that was the same team that beat us sixty-three to twenty-one the year before. Well, and it, you know, it really was a turning point game because we were on the road playing them, and we had lost at LSU, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so well, no, that, what, the LSU might have been later. I can't remember now. I think it was earlier. I can't remember. And we, it was a. This was the. You know, they were considered a a contender in the West because Manzo was. Back. Oh, absolutely, and yeah. Because so well, the year before w- they beat Alabama. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, it was huge. So. Let me just see the. I'm curious now. Just uh, no, you're right. We lost to LSU in week four. This game was week seven. It felt earlier than that to me. Week mm-hmm. seven. Yeah, because we had beaten. Washington State, Arkansas State. We had that narrow win over Mississippi State. We lost at LSU. They ran all over us. We had a a, a, a decent win over a ranked Ole Miss. We beat Western Carolina. This was the first team other than number six Ole Miss. This was number seven A&M. And we had actually gone up to 24th. And after this, we jumped all the way to 11. So, yeah. We're one of the few teams, I think, to make the national championship game that were unranked for the first half of the season. That that team made the national championship game was unranked on October 12th. That's insane. Insane. October 12th, they were unranked. They weren't in the top 10 until November the 9th. They weren't in the top 10 until November the 9th. And they went 9 7 4 3 2. Woo, that looks like something out of 2007. The famous, you know, the year that everything went cockamamie. Anyway. All right, that was a good one, Jerry. We appreciate it. We always have fun with those. Uh, I guess all that's... we got a couple of segments left real quick, including... Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. All right, what's in the mailbag this week? We only have one really good email this week I'm going to read, but I just wanted to say again, I I wanted to thank the listeners for their feedback and support over the last week. I got a lot of emails and and Mm -hmm. other messages from people that agreed with me or disagreed with me, but we had good conversations, and I appreciated that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, very much. All right. Uh, So the email we got, I think, is something we touched on earlier, but it's a good question for you and I, which is about expectations. So so this is from Bill Miner. It says, guys – in light of the expanded playoffs starting soon and our new coaching situation, how long do you think it'll be before we're in it? With the new format, will that be the participation ribbon replacing standard bowl games? What will be meaningful each season once it starts uh, the SEC, winning the SEC starts getting watered down, Bill? No, I agree. It's, it's going to be so hard to win the SEC, not just because there's – you know they're good teams, but because there's going to be sixteen, yeah, like Texas and Oklahoma. Co. Yeah, I mean, it's you know when there were ten, it was hard enough because you figure five are pretty good and five are not, so you got to be the you got to be one of the five, and then you get your turn every now and then when you're good right. and everybody else isn't as good. Now you got to wait for that year that you're really good, and like. Nine other teams all happen to be slightly down, or eight of them, then you win a big upset over one of them or something. I mean, 
just in terms of the numerical mathematic odds, I'm genuinely horrified at the thought of a 16-team SEC. I'm very, very, very against a 16-team SEC. I think this is a terrible decision. I, I just think that it, it ruins the – when you've got that many teams in a conference, it's not a conference anymore. It's a freaking division. It's, I mean, it's like the AFC. It's like you're not in the S, you're not in the NF, you're not in like the NFC East anymore. You're in the NFC. Yes. And there's just too many. There's just too many teams. I, you, it, out of sixteen teams, you need at least two teams to be able to win something. And only one team's going to be able to win something out of sixteen. It's just you're going to have to wait too long for your chance to 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 win anything unless you're like Georgia right now every year. Well, but what's going to happen is you're going to get four or five of those 16 into the 12-team playoff every year. Exactly. And a bunch of SEC teams that don't even get to the conference title game are going to win the national title. That's yeah, going to happen. that's exactly it. Is it, The only thing that, to me, makes a 16-team SEC palatable at all, the only thing that makes it bearable to me at all, is that you don't have to win that to you don't have to be the one out of those 16 to get into the playoff and so i am going to be 99.5% focused on auburn getting in the playoffs and 0.5% focused on auburn winning the sec that's just a fact cuz there's not going to be that many years no matter how good we are there's not going to be that many years that we're going to have a shot at winning the SEC. And that's not just true of us. That's true of almost everybody. Yes. Again, you're yeah. going to have to be Georgia last year, Georgia this year, to have a shot at winning it, really. If you are LSU this year, you're not going to win it. If you're Alabama this year, you're not going to win it. If you're Tennessee this year, you're not going to win it. You're, you can be really, really good. And you're not going to win it. You could be Oklahoma when they were in the four-team playoff every year, and you're not going to win it because you're going to be having to play Alabama and LSU and Georgia and hopefully Auburn, right? Every freaking year, you 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 could be a you could be one of the four teams in the playoffs now, and you're not going to win the SEC. It's ridiculous, but um, but the uh, but the but the playoff is going to be the thing. That everybody focuses on, and that's going to be the measuring stick going forward. Oh, 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 oh! I know what I was going to say. We, I'm so mad about that. I'm so disappointed. We had a 14 playoff starting in 2014. Auburn was one of the last two teams in the last BCS game when there was just a two-team playoff, right? And we've gone the entire 14 playoff, and we've we've come close a couple of times, but we've never made it in. And we've got one more shot, and I have a feeling we're not making it in next year. Although 2013, 2010, you can never say for sure. 2004, you can never say for sure. But I seriously doubt we're going to be in the 14 playoff next year. And it galls me that some teams <coughs> were in it almost every year, and we're never going to have been in it. It just annoys me. It's disappointing. So I want to go back to Bill's question. When, if you had to pick a year... Is your is a reasonable expectation Auburn should be in the playoff? Well, I mean, history shows that in your second year you're really good, right? Okay. 2010. So then, so 2023 will be Freeze's first season. 2024 will be his second season. If this goes best case scenario, and I think that doing what Gus did and having a huge year in your first year, or Terry Bowden, right? 
you know, if if the if the if the downside of that is you slowly decline from there, I'd rather do more like Pat Dye and Tommy Tuberville and build up to the big thing rather than have it immediately at the beginning and then slide down afterward, right? So let's say we have kind of best case scenario. 2023 we go eight and five again, but that means we're as good as you know the average from the last decade probably. And then 2024, maybe we're 10 and two going into the postseason. Maybe we finish second in the West. And then in 2025, which is I guess when they're let's see, they're expanding at 24, or 25, 24. Okay. So again, at, at, and at some point uh, in there, Texas and Oklahoma come in. So it's all going They're to be changing in the next 25. couple of years. We're going to have one season of expanded playoff before we get them. So 2025. So 2024, we're 10 and two, and there's a discussion about us being in a 12 team playoff. Maybe we make it. Maybe we don't. And then I think in 2025, we're absolutely, positively going to be in it. I think I'll be disappointed if we're not in the playoffs in three years. I agree. Right. I think that is a again, other than Brian Harson. Mm-hmm. Every recent Auburn coach has won a national title and played for one. That's you right. Know, so, yeah, that's the expectation. Or gone undefeated. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I was pointing out. I got banned. I got it banned off of the Auburn family group on Facebook. But I pointed out that until this year, let me see. When was the last time? Twenty. The last time we won something was 2017. Right. We won the we won the Western Division in 2017. Um, the 2022 class, no, 18, 19, 20, 2021 and 2022 are the first two classes that in four years didn't win something since 2006, I think, 2005, 2006, no, four, five, six, seven, and then, so the, the class of five, six, seven, eight didn't win anything, and the class of six, seven, eight, nine didn't win anything. The classes that graduated in 08 and 09 didn't win anything. They were the only two going all the way back to um, Pat Dye, to, to, to one of the last. Mm-hmm. In other words, like seniors under Barfield in 80 won the SEC in 83, right? So you got to go back to 79. You got to go back to players in 1979 to find an Auburn team that played four years and didn't win anything beyond just the Iron Bowl or something uh, until 08, 09. And that's because those fluky Arkansas Georgia games, and then uh, and now twenty one twenty two, oh eight oh nine and twenty one twenty two are the only the only classes that didn't win something beyond just the Iron Bowl in four years. Win the SEC West, win the SEC, go undefeated, win the national championship. They're the only ones. We need to turn that around. I wish I had a sound I, effect I, for a potato, but I don't. I was gonna say I think it's more of an indictment of Harson than yeah, yeah. something else. So. All right. Is that all the questions? It is. All right. Well, I guess we'll hop in the uh, Albie Mobile, take a quick trip. There's not a lot. There's not a lot to talk about. Let's take a trip around the SEC. Um, well, we know that Georgia beat LSU 50-30. to 30. The good news is LSU scored 30. The bad news is Georgia scored 50, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. LSU scored 30, and it wasn't close. Yeah, um, we we don't have to go through every bowl game. We got a show next week. We could save the bowl yeah. game discussion. Yeah, we'll do a bowl preview and everything. Um, what you had a note about Haynes King, Texas A&M? Well, just that Texas A&M led the SEC in players heading the transfer portal today. I think with ten or eleven, yeah, uh, including quarterback Haynes King. So a couple good defensive line recruits as well. So 
All right. So we're going to go through and do a bowl preview next week, talk about all the various bowl games the SEC is in and pretend like we care. Um, the only game coming up this weekend, really, I guess, is Army-Navy, right? It's that weekend. Yeah. It's Army-Navy and one AA playoff. So. Go Navy, beat Army. Go Army, beat Navy. <laughs> I love it. We have That's our one real rift on this show. John and I can agree about everything else, but by golly, go Navy, beat Army, and go Army, beat Navy is our we – we can never reconcile that harsh division. That's it. And the only other thing I want to say about the bowl games is we did a bowl pick them last year. We're going to do a bowl pick them this year. Uh, so be on the lookout for that email if you're a patron. Boris is excited. He's fired up. Nah, he's going down. He's ready to defend his title. He's got Weagle to help him this year, and we got our new Peacock. Did I tell you we got a new Peacock to go with uh, Weagle? we got two birds now. we got the Peacock. He's named Neville, of course. So Neville the basketball Peacock, Weagle the eagle. And then, who was very excited about the World Cup, by the way, Baby Eagles, and then Boris. So it's all very, and of course, uh, Boots, the uh, the basketball protege. All right, any final thoughts? We made it. We made it through. You know, we could talk for another 30 or 40 minutes and drag it out, I think. <laughs> and still not be as long as last week's show. <laughs> oh, my God. It's true. It's true. All right. I guess we'll wrap up then. I do want to push this button one time just because it makes me happy. I tell you, the man painted with words, and that right there is in the Louvre. That that one is in the Louvre, man. That's like the the Mona Lisa, the Last Supper. You know, it's just it just makes me happy. All right. Well, on that note, we're gonna get on out of here for another episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll see you next week to talk about the bowl games. Uh, our time is up. We thank you for yours, Royal John. Royal man. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.